0: Welcome to The Better Life with Dr. Mary Ann Pinkston. Join Dr. Pinkston today as she teaches you how an integrative approach to health, combining holistic and contemporary medical information, can lead you to the better life. And now, here's your host, Dr. Mary Ann Pinkston.
1: This is Dr. Mary Ann Pinkston, and welcome to The Better Life with Dr. Pinkston. This week's show is the pinnacle of my career. I have somebody who is not only in a huge... Uh yeah, I'm a huge fan of her. She's a, a great integrative medicine celebrity to me. And I recently picked up her book or she sent me her book. Let me let me rephrase that. She sent me her book. Signed and everything. And I was so happy to receive it. Of course, planning for a show, you sit down to read. And read it and wound up just flipping my whole life around. This is a wonderful book. This is a wonderful woman. Dr. Jill Carnahan, who is up in Colorado, cool Colorado, away from hot San Antonio, and has joined me on the show this morning. We are going to talk to her about a family practitioner with integrative medicine, went through IFM. Uh, For those of you who have uh, trained through some of the integrative sites and uh, has a very long career career. Uh, much like myself, became sick, had breast cancer at a very young age, had uh, Crohn's has has had Crohn's disease. You can clarify that, and then is an integrative specialist in mold and Lyme, which is something as my audience knows that I suffer from. So, Dr. Jill is who, is how she's uh, addressed affectionately, and so welcome in. I am so happy to have you here. Thank you, Dr. Marianne. It is absolutely a delight to be here with you today. You. I appreciate it, and you have a podcast too. So I know toward the end we're going to give a lot of information about uh, your podcast, your world, and clinic, and all of the wonderful things you have going. You're a very busy lady, um, and so I know the book. I was you know mentioning the book earlier about how much it has changed, uh, you know, my life at this point, it, only because I really feel like you've written my my voice and my life in there and brought up a lot of points that I think are very important for women. I know there's a lot of men who agree, but for a lot of women who are at the forefront of their home and the, you know, uh, the way women and, and, uh, and all are these days as superwomen. So what inspired you? What, tell me your story and how you got to this point.
2: Yeah, so I love that you, uh, to hear that. And I've heard that from a lot of women professionals. And one of my heart's goals with the book was we, you know, on the outside, we have the career and the successful practice and we're loving patients. And there's so many wonderful things that are going on in our lives as women and many women professionals, not just us. And maybe many women who are mothers and other kinds of careers. But what happens is so often we put on this mask and we show the world that side of us and inside, maybe we don't have the best relationship or we have struggles with our own self-worth or loving ourselves. And what I realized in my journey is all this wonderful functional medicine, nutrition, lifestyle, all the stuff that we, you and I practice, to live well is important but sometimes the most important root healers are trusting our intuition our god-given kind of innate wisdom that we were born with and that medicine kind of trained out of us because we're so taught to use that left analytical brain and that's a powerful source I never let's so I say science and faith and left brain right brain and masculine feminine it's like pulling these things together because then we become the full version of ourselves and that feminine nature that intuitive energy is actually a powerful not only healer because we're present with a patient or our family members, but it's also powerful for us because so often our own cells, our own body needs that total love and compassion and unconditional love
1: to heal. And I found that to be one of the most powerful healers. Absolutely. And so and you mentioned so many different points, you know, um, in the book. And and I think when you talked about the medical field and how much things have changed, going through our and I think this can happen in, in any and I hate to say male dominated field, but Almost all fields are male dominated and I have nothing i'm i'm not I'm not <laughs> to you know point fingers that men are bad, nothing like that, but it has been a struggle you and I came from you know the and I don't know how old you are and I don't ask but you know I came from the eighties nineties where we were just breaking free, learning that you know it's okay to uh be a woman in our field and and a uh, persevere head, but we by doing that, we earned a double kind of standard of, well, we're powerful in our work, but we're also have to be powerful at home. And so it's it's not just an eight day work, you know, eight, eight, eight hour work day. It is a full time job being the power of your office and the power of your home. You know, it, it's very exhausting. Do you find that exhaustion is underlying your illness and, and what has happened to you?
2: Absolutely, I I feel like one of the things that the breast cancer and then the Crohn's in my early, well, mid twenties, Mm. it was a call from my body. So I was this—I was born this very intuitive, sensitive child, and I was born into a family of Swiss German engineers, you know, stoic uh, farm people. Like I was a farm girl, so all of these these uh, attributes I kind of took on, like don't complain, work hard, um, you know, show up always, uh, be responsible—all those things, which are amazing values. Like it's the foundation of who I became, right? And a beautiful way. But then on the other side was this delicate, soft, very sensitive, intuitive child, the deep thinker in the world. And I kind of had to put her aside in order to survive in that world. And then medicine just reinforced that because I love what you said. It's not necessarily masculine, but the masculine energy, right? We all have masculine and feminine and that assertive driven show up masculine energy, which is perfectly appropriate, but there's 50, 50, right? And so that feminine energy, that softer, gentler, more intuitive, more nurturing energy got kind of pushed aside because it wasn't allowed or, or wasn't good for survival, but I really believe those illnesses popping up for me were actually kind of a wake up call with my body saying, um, hello, Jill, you're not taking very good care of us because I knew how to dissociate and just push through, move forward. Even after my illness, I talk about, I got through massive radiation, chemotherapy surgery. I lost all my hair. I was so sick. And within like three weeks of finishing my last radiation, I was back on the ER floors doing 12 hour shifts. And I had, if I look back at that girl, it makes me want to cry and say, sweetheart, take some time for your yourself, be kind to yourself, because I didn't know how to be kind to myself. And so my body manifested illnesses until I woke up and learned.
1: Right. You know, I I told you in the very beginning when we first discussed that, I feel like we've lived a parallel life. I think it's bigger than that. I think we were uh, separated at birth, honestly. It's so true. And I know it's not just me. I know it's not just you. This is what a lot of women in society do. And I love your phrase of dissociating. And you do, you put yourself last. You put everything else first and you just push those feelings down. But being, you know, sensitive and empathetic is very draining. Yes. And I bring that. I'm sure you do bring that to clinic and do that all day long. By the time I get home, I'm wiped out. I don't have anything left for anybody. Yes. that's my family and my children, you know, that's left over. And of course, something is going to manifest, you know, physically. You said, and I'm sure this is a phrase that's well known to everybody. It was new to me, but neuropsychoimmunology. Now, if that is not a statement of, you know, putting your neurological self and all the mental, physical, you know, aspects with the, uh, you know, psychological, again, mental, spiritual aspects and with your immune system and boom, that nails it perfectly. How what what does this phrase mean to you? Yeah, so I
2: have had a lot of immune issues. I still have immune deficiency, probably partial before cancer and then the chemotherapy didn't help at all. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, what happens is the immune system is so um sensitive to the environmental inputs and the neurocycl immunology means that our thoughts in our brain and the way we approach life and all of those things and the neurotransmitters we create based on our thoughts. So I think you and I know how thoughts affect physical body, but if you're out there listening don't realize literally the patterns of thinking, like if you all the time are like, I'm an idiot, I'm so stupid, I'm not strong enough, I'm not worthy of love, these messages that are common to all of us, those things internally actually affect ourselves. And if you think about autoimmune disease, Gabor Mate wrote it so well in his book, The Myth of Normal. Um, He talked about how autoimmunity metaphorically is autoimmune, it's attack of self, right? So there's this, granted, there's a physical thing, there's Antibodies, and we know the immune system is going to ride. But part of that is there's pieces of ourselves that we're rejecting, or loathing, or not accepting fully. So we all have things that we just don't like about ourselves. You know, maybe it's my belly, or maybe it's my the way I talk to someone like the, the other day, or whatever it is. I'm just randomly spouting off ideas. But all of those things, we if we relegate them and, and dislike them or hate parts of ourselves, our body manifests that. So part of the healing that I share in the book on my own journey is really integrating all of those parts of ourselves and actually loving each part, even if we feel they're unworthy or deem them unacceptable, because we kind of, as women come up in the society and show up as what's acceptable, what's you know conscientious, kind, agreeable, all these wonderful traits, but it's okay to be, I didn't know how to be angry till after 40. And I did all the therapy. I literally suppressed my anger for 40 years and sadness too. I was this optimistic happy. I never got angry. My first point with a the therapist, I'm like, well, I never get angry. She laughed at me, of course. Right. Then, then I learned like, now I know I'm like, Oh wait, that's anger. Like, I can identify it and let it flow through me in a healthy way but when you suppress anger or any emotion that you feel unworthy or or, or not acceptable you're hurting your own body and your cells. and
1: thank you for being vulnerable saying all of that because we are you know professional women you know up in our industry uh at the forefront putting ourselves out there people think we have a, a coat of armor we're good you know we're okay inside and that is absolutely not the truth. And I think that's why we're so good at what we do, uh, if I may say so. But I think that I do. I think that's why we're so good at what we do, because we know. We know that thought process. We've been there. We've learned to overcome it. And another thing that you um, that you said in your book that, that was uh, so touching to me is embrace grace. And so if you break down the word grace, she says that gentleness, resilience, acceptance, compassion and empowerment. I had that memorized last night and that, how did you come up with that? Or is that something somebody gave to you? No, I just, as I'm writing,
2: I'm like, cause for me, you know, med school acronyms, right? We got (laughs) And so I was like, how can I do? And, and for me, like literally another side thing you may not know is this last year and a half, I produced a movie, uh, documentary. And, um, so in that project, um, I created a company that, that, that embodied like, how do I, you know, do this? And the company is called Queen of Grace. And that was just a reminder to myself of like, I'm a queen, not that I'm any better than anyone, but then I could show up with honor and dignity and and ensure that I do love myself and I'm worthy of acceptance and those things we just talked about. And then the grace to me is like, how do I show up in the world in every arena with grace, grace to other people and grace to myself when I fail and I fall short and I don't do things exactly right. And so grace, I love that word. And I was like, why not take that word and make a a way for people to remember how to really tap into this self-acceptance and compassion
1: well done well done and so yes you are the queen of your world <laughs> i'm we are the queen and so of are you, yes and you know that that gratitude and, and grace i've been using the word gratitude lately but i think grace is a is a much deeper and, and more important word um gratitude in my mind uh is almost expressing um what's wonderful in my world for everything else that's out there going on but grace is something that i take inside and so, grace for myself. Yes, grace for others can't give grace to others till I, I'm there for myself. But something more internal like that, I think, is is so important and, and well done. There, um, another thing too. I spend a lot of time with my patients, especially women, on trauma. So trauma has a huge indention in um, my world, my daughter's world, uh, for instance. And so, you stated the benefits of trauma, which I think is a great way of putting it because. There can be, I think a lot of people are, are deep in their world of um, of fear and, and uh, I don't know, there's so much people internalized, I can't even begin to express it. Um, yeah. But there are benefits, and so if you can turn and look at it that way and, and work in that direction, what brought that term to mind, because that is true.
2: I love that you see all these little pearls because um, one of the things I think is trauma is such a hot topic now, and rightfully so. Because as we've done functional medicine, again, the nutrition, the diet, the lifestyle, all so important. But as you and I see every day, often we'll be deep in a conversation with a woman, and I'll be like, Tell me about your relationship with your father, or tell me about your relationship at home and what happened. And then all of a sudden, you know, in tears, they'll start to share something that was like they've maybe never shared with anyone because we've created this safe space about. Yeah. I remember my mom was never there when I got home from school or whatever it is. And those things, trauma can be big T trauma, which so sorry, you know, the people who go through that thats a whole nother story, but it can also be just day to day things growing up in our family of origin. So it's a big hot topic. And it's out there everywhere you look right now. It's a hot topic and there can be a victim mentality with that. And so I wanted to just reframe it because my definition of resilience is how do we take suffering and darkness and difficulties, whether it's relationships or work or finances or our health or any number of other things, loss of pets or family or children or parents, um, how do we reframe this? Because if we reframe our suffering and difficulty, which is inevitable, I always say we've either just gone through something, we're in the midst of something right now, or it's coming up. So uh, you out there listening, there's three choices. And all that to say, if we can reframe how we view trauma and suffering to say there is always lessons for our soul that take us to a different level if we look for them. And it's not always fun. It's I'm, I don't like suffering. I prefer not to have it and not to have it for any of my friends. But the truth is... If we can reframe trauma and suffering as something to find meaning and purpose in, all of a sudden it changes it for us and it doesn't take us down. It takes
1: us down and then right back up. Right, exactly, and I love that reframing it and and just putting a new spin on it. It can pull you forward. It can shape you into a much better person. And so, you know, been this is where the book really is 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 great. And I, I think you know we only have so many minutes to really pull in all this information that I thought was just so wonderful. I think I read it in one night. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just go to the book look at all these things the benefits of trauma is we expend on that much much more it is absolutely fantastic and we are going to take a break in just a minute dr jill so how can people find you the movie the podcast all of your you know uh reading and and everything how can people look you up
2: yeah, my main website, which has links to everything, is just Jill Carnahan, dot com. The book is at ReadUnexpected.com, but you can go to the main website, too. And if you want to preview the trailer for the documentary, that's at doctorpatientmovie.com.
1: Absolutely. I will make sure all of this is on my website, too, so you can find it at DrPBetterLife.com, as well as all of my other shows. I've been doing this for two years and enjoying it immensely. Uh, drpbedoff.com. And I do have a, a quick word I need to say about my great sponsor, Pinnacle Research. So if you'll forgive me, Dr. Jill, and take a second, Pinnacle Research has been fantastic to me for two years now, taking good care of me. And they will take good care of you. They will get you in and do a free fiber scan to screen for fatty liver, which is absolutely huge here in South Texas. Just go to pinnacleresearch.com and you can get scheduled for your free fiber scan. It is quick and easy, painless, the whole bed. I did it. So go get this done. And I know uh, as we come up on uh, a break, we've got about a minute and a half, a few things I, I really want to talk to you about. But tell me how, you know, in your, there's no way you get this in a minute now, how you dealt with breast cancer during medical school. How does somebody do that?
2: Yeah, you know, that was my wake-up call, 25, you get a lump in your breast, you go through surgery, and all of a sudden you get a call from the surgeon that says, Jill, I don't know how to tell you this, but you're the youngest person we've ever diagnosed here in Chicago at Loyola with breast cancer, and my life just changed at that instant, but what it allowed me to do was really look inside and say, okay, number one, what do I believe? I did all conventional therapy, but I also integrated holistic therapy, prayer, meditation, nutrition, and here I am 20 years later
1: uh, because of the choices that I made then. Absolutely, and so this will be the launch over into our next eight minutes. So, everybody, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back on the other side with Dr. Jill.
3: Fatty liver is linked to two different situations, alcohol and diabetes, or obesity. In both cases, patients can have no symptoms. In the United States, and in particular, Texas, the most common cause of liver disease in general is non-alcoholic fatty liver. Again, associated with overweight, obesity, and or diabetes. Additional risk factors include high cholesterol, high blood pressure, Hispanic ethnicity, and postmenopausal status. At Pinnacle Clinical Research, we offer a quick, non-invasive, ultrasound-based screening assessment called FibroScan. FibroScan. This test is done at no cost to you, and we do not take insurance. The test will measure the fat and stiffness in your liver and state your risk and development of fatty liver disease. You will meet with a provider immediately following your scan to go over your results. If you're interested in getting more information on your liver health, please call 210-982-0320 and schedule your FibroScan today. We are conveniently located in the Medical Center at 5109 Medical Drive.
1: Welcome back. I am Dr. Marianne Pinkston. This is The Better Life of Dr. Pinkston. I am here with Jill Carnahan, Dr. Jill Carnahan, or Dr. Jill, as she's affectionately called. So during the break, we talked a little bit, I I know before the break, actually, we talked a little bit about your experience with, uh, you know, being in medical school and getting diagnosed with such a a terrible uh, disease so early. But what I'd love to focus on a little bit is your experience as an integrated physician. Now, my experience so far has been, you know, in family practice, we dealt a lot with algorithms and recipes for patients. You know, here's your prescription, 10 minutes, goodbye. An integrated mess and a very different focus, trying to get to the reason why people are sick and try to heal things from a more, I guess, natural, hate to, you know, label it, but a more natural perspective of, you know, diet and, and exercise and nutrition and and things like that. So, where, you know, when I sit with patients now, I feel like that there's a large distrust. Patients are going to Google. They are more, you know, red now when they come into the office. Uh, they usually have a preconceived idea about what they think should happen. And sometimes I can take them for a little ride on that. But I find it very difficult these days to reach my patient as an authority as I used to. And I know integrative medicine is very good at at um, assisting with that. What is your experience and, and your thoughts on that?
2: I love that you brought this up because there's been an exponentially dramatic shift in the kind of neutralization of information and even the exponential release like microbiome for example 10 years ago there was top 5 studies I might be exaggerating but now there's hundreds of thousands and literally in that that amount of time 5 or 10 years it's exploded so all of a sudden the amount of data we consume as a consumer or even as a medical doctor to stay up to date is so exponentially beyond our capacity to take it all in back in the day we'd read the journals every month and kind of keep up that way there's no way to keep up right Um, so that's one of the things, but it doesn't take away the authority, but what's happened is out there on social media or whatever, you can, you know, get a account, get a lot of followers and be an expert, even if you have no credentials, no training. And it's a little scary in the sense of, I love the idea of everybody having equal opportunity, but if someone's out there posing as a doctor and they really don't have that, that um, knowledge, it's, that's kind of scary. But then on the other side, what I realized is you mentioned this right, right on the break of like, there is a lot of distrust and I think even since the pandemic, probably more than ever, because people just, no one agreed on how things were done. And a lot of people got sick and, you know, it's just, the system was failing them when there was the hospitals were full. There were so many ways where people felt like they couldn't trust the system and maybe their doctors. So there's been this distrust that's also growing. And that's kind of what you're speaking to. Like, can I really trust you? So I want to go back to the core of any position. I mean, even with Hippocrates, it's all about relationship, right? And I know you have this with your patients, but for me, it's been really, truly, um, Creating from the moment they walk in the door, a place where they feel uh, seen and accepted and heard. And so before I'll share anything at all, my job is to listen and hold space for them to be their complete selves. And even, you know, people come in if they've never seen me before and they're a little nervous or like, what is this going to be like? I want them in that first 30 minutes or even five minutes to let that guard down and feel like, wait, this is a place where I can be myself, be seen, be heard and make, and what I want to do is make sure that they feel really, really seen and heard. Even if they're saying something that doesn't quite medically make sense, Mm -hmm. because first, the first thing is building that trust. Mm -hmm. And then later when they trust me, and they're feeling better or that first interaction, they're like, okay, I can trust this space. I can say, you know what? Have you ever thought about this? Or why do you think that's the, you know, you just, you can ask questions. So giving them that space to feel heard, because what's happening is this thing called medical gaslighting. And that's when I know you listeners can relate to this. You walk into your doc, you're like, doc, I don't feel well. I wake up. I feel like I'm so groggy. I can't get out of bed. I got these headaches by the end of the day. My joints are so achy and they'll go on and on, or maybe I'm depressed around my cycles. And the doc will look at the labs and they'll be like, well, everything looks well, uh, would you like an antidepressant? Now, there's nothing wrong with antidepressants. They're pre- prescribed appropriately for depression. But when you don't feel well in general, it's not always depression. And that is almost gaslighting in the sense of making you believe that you're it's all in your head, that you're crazy. And so many patients can relate to that. So I think they come in with kind of like a, a defense and a grudge because they're expecting us to judge them and gaslight them. When
1: we don't, that's what opens it up. Absolutely. You nailed it again. So medical gaslighting and that is exactly what happens. That is exactly what happens. And I had a word for a veterinarian when I was in uh, college and it was my first job and great guy um, said that, you know, If you'll listen to your patient long enough, they'll tell you what's wrong. And that's absolutely true. But our medical model these days, we have 10 or 15 minutes for that. You know, how can you get that done? And it's just impossible. So creating an atmosphere for patients to, um, you know, to feel comfortable in their space to, in your space to be able to let down like that is so important. And we try to do that. It is very difficult. Um, you know, we're all under demands. You and I are human. Sometimes it's difficult to convey our, our concern and get through our day, but that is ultimately you have to remember could be you sitting in that chair, your mom or your daughter or you know, somebody, um, somebody at four years into my Undiagnosed disease was told by a peer here in town to go to a psychiatrist. Thank yeah. you. Very much. So a year later, I wound up in renal failure because I was taking so much Advil that yeah. I almost killed my kidneys. So that's what that kind of doctor's, you know, uh, um, you know, demeanor can do to somebody. Very, very dangerous. So I'm glad that there are you and me out there, and I know that there are other physicians that way. But people need to understand that there are people representing themselves as professionals. Um, and they may not be, be very careful, be very careful on your Facebook groups or whatnot, but you know, Dr. Jill and I can't take care of everybody. Wish we could, but there are definitely great professionals out there and integrated medicine is a great place to find them. So, well, that eight minutes went crazy fast as usual. Dr. Jill, in closing, what would you like to uh, say? And also tell us where we can find you.
2: Sure. So the core of healing, I mean, all these wonderful nutrients and functional medicine principles are great. But one thing I would leave your listeners with is that self-compassion, that kindness. And I love this phrase that we should have said earlier, but one friend told me in the midst of trying to figure out this left brain, right brain, science, faith, masculine, feminine, she said, Jill, it's okay to be a badass and a delicate flower. And I thought, I love that. I love that <laughs> so that's what I'll leave you with. And, and that self-compassion. And um, of course you can find me at jillcarnahan.com and on Instagram, Dr. Jill Carnihan. Can that
1: be the title of the show today, I think? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Okay, and, and definitely Embrace Grace. And if you didn't hear the first half of the show, go back and listen or just get her book and read through this. An absolute immaculate. Written masterpiece, Dr. Joe, thank you for giving that to the world. And thank you for all you do. It. I have followed you for a very long time. Didn't know it, but... Um, I really appreciate all that you do for your patients and uh, for physicians, uh, too, especially as a woman. So thank you so much. You can find all of her information and all of mine at drpbetterlife.com. And uh, it is on South Texas Radio, but we are podcasted and on YouTube and everywhere, all platforms, even SiriusXM, Dr. Joe. And so you can find everything at drpbetterlife.com. I hope everybody has a great week. Dr. Jill, thank you again from the bottom of my heart for everything you do. And uh, we will see you next time.
0: You're welcome. You've been enjoying The Better Life with Dr. Marianne Pinkston. For more information, go to drpthebetterlife.com. That's drpthebetterlife.com. And listen next week for The Better Life with Dr. Pinkston.